Hello and welcome to another Money Minutes. I've been thinking a lot lately about um, TFSA versus RSP. And I think I've mentioned this before, but um, my personal preference has been to go TFSA first. And then once I've fully maxed out my TFSA and I continue to make contributions in line with what the government allows us to add every year, um, I'm going to then put money in my RRSP. And I'm not sure I'll ever be able to max out my RRSP, but if I ever do, then I would put it in uh, just a regular taxable account where I'd have to pay capital gains tax on uh, commissions and stuff. I, I saw a discussion recently online where someone was saying that they were in the lowest tax bracket and they were wondering whether they should um, they should even like put money in an RSP because they already had a maxed out TFSA and they were wondering whether it'd be a better idea to just keep the money in a taxable account because um, normally an RSP is a good idea if you're making more now than you intend to make in retirement because the whole point is that instead of paying the taxes now, you're deferring that tax till later. But if you're paying less tax now than you are later, then it's the opposite scenario of what what is normally good, which is to pay fewer taxes. So um, they were just wondering whether they should even bother. And um, someone suggested that um, what they could do is defer. Cause even if you, um, even if you do invest in an RSP, you don't have to um, claim it on your taxes that year. You can actually wait several years and claim it at a later date. So if that person were to um, like, maybe because of this year, um, they weren't working very much and they made very little money because they were maybe on CERB benefits or something and they were out of work because of COVID. Um, but they still wanted to keep saving money. Um, they could, you know, wait until next year when maybe their income would go back up again. Um, and then they could claim that RSB contribution room on their income next year, because, um, even though they invested this year, um, you can delay and take that that money later. So um, that would make more sense. So but that was something I didn't know um, because I'm not a personal uh, finance counselor and uh, or advisor, and I'm not a, an accountant or uh, especially not a tax accountant. Um, so I'm just learning this all just like you guys are. So that was really cool. And that's one of the, I mean, it's kind of hit or miss sometimes. Uh, I like to kind of, creep on the reddit sub threads for personal finance canada and also for canadian investor on reddit um you can just search reddit for those and you can find them and there's plenty of people on there that will give you all kinds of advice and whether that advice is good or not um it is kind of hit or miss but it's always kind of good to get a sounding board like if i had a really big financial decision to make and I couldn't necessarily afford to pay a financial advisor at this time or I just wanted some feedback it's never a bad idea you can create a throwaway account and just ask a you know ask a big question and see what what people say and it could give you some ideas but you should always research further and then get professional advice especially if it's going to be really important so I'm not saying go listen to all the internet trolls I'm just saying it's always good to get more more Info And when I read those uh, stories and I read the feedback from those stories, then I kind of learn a little bit more to get more puzzle pieces so that later in my life or maybe if a friend or coworker or something has an issue going on, then I can say, oh, yeah, I remember reading about that and 
so-and-so said this or whatever, and you should check that out. Um, and a lot of the time, it's not that hard to verify facts, but sometimes it's hard to get the initial idea because, you know, there's just so much information out there that it's hard to, you know, know where to start. And I can't just be pouring over all the tax law all the time. But if someone says that a thing is a possibility, it's usually pretty easy to then go and just verify that one fact. So um, that can help too. Anyway, so for now... I am going to stick to TFSA and I'm, I don't even care if it's tax efficient or not. Um, and the reason why is because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my, um, what my, I guess, uh, how can I say this? I'm trying to figure out what my income will be in retirement, but there's so many factors, right? Like pension, CPP, OAS, investments and things, um, side gigs, maybe running your own business or something. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, when, when am I going to stop working? Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel in 20 years and when I'm exactly going to want to retire or stop working. So it's kind of hard to, uh, guess all that stuff now. But in the meantime, I know that maybe in eight years I might want to buy a house and I, I know I definitely don't want to be borrowing against my RSP. So I am going to stick with the TFSA for now, but it's always good to, um, keep thinking about that. And so, uh, this month I was planning on, I'm going to be investing some more in my retirement portfolio in my TFSA. And I have a bunch of different stuff I invest in. It's not super efficient or I don't want to say it's not logical. It is logical. Um, but it's maybe a little bit overly complicated, more complicated than I need it to be. Um, but for now, it is what it is. It's my monster to wrestle. I wouldn't recommend anybody else do this because I've got so many, you know, I've got about a dozen different um, ETFs or stocks that I buy. And really, you should have probably like three or four, you know, keep it like really simple, easy to manage and easy to rebalance. Um, but it is what it is. I'm doing my stuff. I'm going to probably learn over time and whittle it down to fewer and fewer things. Um, but in the meantime, I was thinking about, uh, how it can be really difficult psychologically if you do have a lot of these things going on, because then you're watching, you know, anytime you have an individual stock, that company, uh, share price is going to fluctuate all the time and it's hard not to get wrapped up in that. And if you have an index that holds hundreds of companies, then that stock price isn't going to fluctuate as much because you're taking the average of the aggregate, you know? Um, so it's more boring, which means you're going to meddle less, uh, which is definitely what I need to do. So, um, but my problem is that I, I have invested in a couple of companies. I've bought some shares in some companies that I believe in because I felt like the indexes that I was investing in um, just weren't giving them the proper weight, or um, I wanted to invest in a particular company. I went and searched for indexes that held that company and I couldn't really find an index that fit with me. So like maybe I would find an index that held company X that I want to invest in, but they also hold like a bunch of other companies that I don't want to invest in. And so that can be a big problem. Um, and in particular, renewable energy is, is tricky. Like, I think I've already talked about this before about buying, I, I, I bought a bunch of different individual company stocks because I kind of made my own, uh, assortment of 
renewable energy utilities because I wasn't really happy with the renewable energy indexes that I was finding. Um, and part of that is that my current favorite en renewable energy index is iClean. It's the stock ticker ICLN. And it's listed on the NASDAQ. And, and basically, it, it's a worldwide uh, collection of companies involved in renewable energy. So mostly like solar, wind power, and other. And um, they're actually a really good, it's a really good index. Um, it's, it's fairly small compared to like total market indexes and stuff like that. Like it's got, it officially says it has 50 holdings. But of those 50 holdings, almost 20 of them are like cash accounts. So you can imagine that, you know, you have all these people paying into the fund, buying these ETF shares, and all of that money is in this pool. And then the company has to buy the, all, the, all the stocks of the companies that are in their holdings list in proportion to the way that they've weighted them. And there's always going to be kind of like extra amounts at the end. And because this is a worldwide um, like mix of renewable energy companies, they have so many currencies so like if you had an index fund that only bought US listed um US listed companies then they would only only need to have US dollars. And so you would only have like one US cash uh holding line for just the additional cash that they have on hand at any time um that they're just waiting to use to um rebalance or buy more stocks or whatever. But in this case, because they're buying companies from around the world, they have like almost 20 different currencies that they're holding like tiny little amounts. So when you see that number that says 50 holdings, you got to look through the holdings list to see what are these companies and what, what are the holdings and how overweighted are they? So like, is there one company where they own, if an index holds, you know, one company that at 30% of the entire value of the index I would argue that's not super diversified. Like you're basically putting way too many uh, eggs in one basket, right? So, I mean, it's good to check that. But I mean, usually the goal of an index is to make sure that you have a little bit of exposure to each of them so that you're properly diversified. So iClean only has about 30 companies, but that's still 30 companies around the world. There's really big companies and they're involved in renewable energy and the fund's doing really good. Um, the MER isn't so bad. MER is the management expense ratio. So it's basically the fees that the, whoever owns the ETF, um, the index, they're going to be using money to administrate that and pay their employees and manage the fund itself. And, um, passive indexes have generally lower management fees. And so 0.46% is pretty good. I'm happy with that. Um, anything under 0.5 I find is good. And the one problem is it's in U.S. funds. So it's listed on the NASDAQ. It's in U.S. funds. And so every time I want to buy it, I have to do a currency conversion from Can Canadian to U.S. Um, I have to pay a tiny fee to do that conversion. And also, you know, like the Canadian dollar isn't super strong uh, generally compared to the U.S. dollar and who knows what it's going to be like in the future and you have to think about all these things and whatever. But I'm not stressing about it. I think that the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar, whatever it's going to be in the future, it is, it is what it is. It's just that I would prefer to buy 
uh, renewable energies index that's listed in Canadian dollars on a Canadian exchange. But unfortunately, the Canadian market is smaller. And so we don't have that. Like, there is no company that's creating a really good renewable energy index listed in Canada yet. So for now, I'm just going with iClean. But I am really happy with iClean. Um, they're doing really well. And I'm happy that I'm able to have, you know, an index that represents my values, you know. Um, so that being said, I did see a conversation online where they were comparing iClean to QClean. Um, when I say these names, it's not, they're just the stock ticker names. So QClean is uh, QCLN, and that's the ticker name. And that's an, it's an interesting renewable energies index, but they have a different approach. So you'll see like um, microchip manufacturers, and most notably QClean has... Tesla as its largest holding. So they own in that fund 9.41% Tesla stock. So that's almost a tenth of the whole fund that's just in Tesla. And I don't know if that's just because Tesla's gone up quite a bit this year and they haven't rebalanced it out yet, but they are fairly heavy overweight on Tesla. And uh, I like Tesla. It's a great company. And I believe in what Elon Musk is doing and I believe in, you know, battery technology and automated uh, cars and um, electric vehicles and all that stuff. But, you know, do I want to be owning that much Tesla stock? Because Tesla stock has shot through the roof and now we have to see whether the company's profits are going to rise up to match what the investor expectations are and see whether that stock price holds or not. So I'm not against investing in Tesla. I just, when it comes to indexes and stuff like that, I would prefer to, you know, do my own weighting. So I would prefer to have an index that more diversifies the companies inside of it. And then if I want to be overweight on something, I can do that. So for example, um, I own a couple shares of AMD stock because even though AMD is a company that's inside of, uh, an index that I hold, I wanted to have more AMD exposure because I believe in that specific company. And so I bought a couple shares, but it's only a small amount more um, in the grand scheme of my portfolio. And I'm able to control how much more overweight I want to be in AMD because I can choose how many shares to buy and what percentage of the portfolio I want them to be. If I just keep in mind that they're also in an index that I hold. So it's, it's more math. That's what I'm talking about getting complicated. Like in reality, I don't really need to be doing that for everything, but in some cases I've chosen to do it because I don't mind the additional complexity, but um, it can definitely get as complicated as you want it to be and maybe even more so. So you kind of have to rein yourself back sometimes to keep it simple. And I think as I mature and get wiser and whatever, I will simplify my stuff. But for now I find it really interesting and we're not talking about huge numbers. I'm not, you know, using up huge portions of my portfolio to do that. So, and I'm not recommending that you do it. I think if, if someone came to me and said, I just want a really simple portfolio that has, you know, socially responsible funds in it. I don't want to be funding fossil fuels and bad companies. I want, uh, you know, a, a, a good step forward and I want to keep it simple. I would say, you know, just open up a well, simple trade account and you need, you need to figure out what, percentage of your portfolio you want to be in bonds and then the rest of it you would just split it up evenly between between 
the two well simple socially responsible uh, indexes that they have, which are awesome. Um, and those are WSRD and WSRI. So basically, WSRI is that North America one, and WSRD is the rest of the world, but mostly developed Europe. And then you would just have a bond index. So, like, I used to use the BlackRock uh, short-term uh, government bonds index or whatever, but because um, that is really low MER, and it unfortunately, if you want to, if you want to have a bond fund that doesn't have bad companies in it, unfortunately, you're pretty much left with just buying government bonds, which kind of sucks. So, I mean, that's why I'm not into bonds right now, and my case is kind of special. So, I'm not saying. You shouldn't own bonds. I'm just saying it's not right for me right now. So anyway, we'll see. All right. So uh, back on track. So QClean is overweight in Tesla. It's still a really interesting fund, but there's like a whole bunch of, of renewable energy indexes out there. There's one called FAN, which is just for uh, wind power, as you can imagine. Just like there's one called TAN, which is for solar uh, solar panels, solar energies and stuff like that. And um you know, there's a whole bunch out there and some of them are even like actively managed, which is bad. Um, so we want to stay away from actively managed funds because then you have a bunch of people that are trying to guess the market, time the market, uh, make a bunch of decisions, do way more trading than they need to. And generally the most important factor is that actively managed funds generally have a way higher expense ratio. And so you could be paying 1% or more, uh, you know, Sky's the limit, 2.5% for uh, some of the mutual funds out there. Um, and that's just a fee that gets taken right off the top. So, you know, if you have $10,000, well, guess what? If the MER is 2.5%, then they're going to be taking 2.5% of your $10,000, whether you're up or down or whatever. They're just That's just the cost of them managing your money for you. So we want to keep that management fee as low as, as possible. That way, when you gain money in the stock market, uh, you gain more because you're paying less fees. And when you lose money, you're losing less because you're paying less fees. And over time, that compounding interest means that that small percentage, like one, one or one and a half percent of your fund being reinvested every year, that's a huge difference in the long run. So got to keep those fees low. Um, and yeah, so basically after doing a bunch of research today, I just decided I'm going to stick with iClean. And I also own, you know, like I said, a couple renewable energy utility companies. I think I'm going to keep buying a couple of those, like as my portfolio grows, but I'm, I'm keeping it like a small portion of my portfolio, about 5%. And I think I'm going to leave everything else in, um, for the renewable energy sector of my portfolio, I'm going to leave it in iClean because I'm really happy with them. Um, and it's the best option so far, even though it's in USD. So maybe one day if Canada has its own uh, renewable energy, or maybe sometimes what they do is they make a, uh, like BlackRock does this a lot, where they have a way bigger market in the US. So they'll have, I don't know, some kind of specialized index ETF or whatever in the US. And then they'll create a Canadian version, different stock ticker name, um, but listed on a Canadian um, index. And so you can buy it in Canadian dollars. But what they'll do is that Canadian uh, copy of that index will literally just buy the American uh, index. So like if you want to buy index X, 
and they create index Y in Canada, the Y index, when you're buying that, they're literally, instead of buying all the companies, they're just literally buying the American index equivalent of it. And the benefit of that is usually the expense ratio still remains really low. It'll match or just be a little bit higher than the American version. And because they're doing it at like a huge institutional level, you'll save on currency conversion and they'll do it at like optimal times and stuff like that. And they'll figure it out how to convert the uh, Canadian to us and buy it more efficiently than you can. And, uh, and you won't, you won't have to pay any personal currency conversion and it just makes your life a lot easier. So especially with me, since I have free trading, except for that uh, currency conversion fee, I have to pay. So it's just better to be able to buy it in Canadian dollars. It's just a convenience thing. Um, but yeah, so sometimes they'll do that. So I could totally see that happening to iClean one day, maybe where they'll list it um, on a Canadian exchange, but they'll just be buying literally the American one and you'll just, you know, have them doing it for you. But I'm okay doing it this way too, because well, simple trade is super low fees anyways. And if I skim a little bit off the top, as long as you're not uh, buying and selling your stuff all the time, then that currency conversion fee isn't going to be a big deal in the long run. It's like a one-time thing and I'm planning on holding these funds for, you know, 20 years. So, so that's pretty much it. Um, I didn't really have anything else to say about that. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was I do own beyond meat stock, but it's because I wish there was like some kind of super vegan index ETF I could buy that just had a bunch of vegan companies in it. Um, whether it was like vegan clothes or food or whatever, but that doesn't exist. So, um, unfortunately I was looking for indexes that had beyond meat in them and I wasn't happy with what I found. So that's what I ended up doing. I just ended up buying a couple shares of beyond meat and that's kind of like my vegan section in my portfolio, I guess. And I'm going to be looking out for other options too. I know very good butchers had their IPO, but I can't buy it right now on well, simple trade, but um, yeah. So let me know what you guys are doing. You know, do you have any, ideas on uh, renewable energy ETFs. There's a really cool one um, on the TSX Venture Exchange. It's re.v. Uh, so that's re.v like Victor. And that's uh, re royalties. They have a renewable energy bond. Um, if you buy the bond directly, it's on Front Funder right now, actually. They do it once a year. Um, you can get... It's minimum $5,000, which I can't afford to do right now. Um, but it's a 6% uh, per year and it pays out quarterly. Um, but you have to keep it locked in for five years. And basically what they do is they take all the money, they invest in uh, renewable energy companies and they uh, collect profit and royalties off of those. So uh, they've been doing it for a long time. It looks like a really awesome thing. And what they did was they created a uh, a bond that you could buy on the TSX Venture Exchange. So you can buy it just like a, an ETF. Um, and so you can buy that instead of having to invest a minimum of $5,000 uh, because the, the price is only like $1.60 a share. So you can buy just exactly how many you want, essentially. Um, I believe the percentage return is less than six. I thought... I think it was like 3% in dividends and then 3% gain last year or something. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that works, but 
I was still interested in doing it. So then I looked it up, but unfortunately they're not on Wellsimple Trade because Wellsimple Trade doesn't have access to the TSX Venture Exchange. So I can't buy it anyway. But if any of you guys are investing on maybe Quest Trade or something uh, where you have to uh, sometimes pay for your trading, um, you might actually have access to it. So it might be something you could look into if you're looking for um, like something, some way to get bonds into your portfolio without always having to buy like government bonds. Um, because a lot of the companies that you could get a bond for aren't great companies and it's riskier, right? So um, this is a really good opportunity to get renewable energy bonds in your portfolio without having to buy government bonds. So if you're on Quest Trade or another platform, that might be something to look into uh, in Canada anyways. And if you're in the States, let me know. What do you guys have down there? What are your recommendations? And if you have any questions or about anything, feel free to comment below or send an email to partypooperpodcast at gmail.com. Again, I'm not a personal finance advisor. I'm just a guy like you doing my reading, trying to make sure I invest uh, smartly in my future. All right, take care. Bye.